anything we're actually celebrating the yeah. happy new year 2022 glad to be here me you and uh, all the fellows here in the kiva we have kevin petresnik and jim hammond and the spirits of new mexico and truly a spiritual start because we're starting with some uh, spirits not wine to kick off 2022 uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, welcome in uh wel- welcome in gents how are you hello oh, we are great Absolutely, especially after sampling some of the cognac and armanac. Um, so, yeah, if, if I thought for sure you might do a Dan Fogelberg song. Remember that one that no. you did? Oh, what what was the Dan? Fogelberg? Oh, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's actually an even sadder song than that, but it's 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 all about uh, old sags old anxiety, and and the way he sings, the way he he has his own in the middle approach to it. And by the end of it, you're in tears. So it's, oh, I'm glad you didn't well, do that one. Yeah, thank God. Thank I will. God. I was. I, I was hoping you'd do some maybe some Justin Timberlake, just lighten up the mood a little bit. Yeah, uh, Justin Timberlake. What does he have? What's Justin Timberlake? That's, well, it was it, it was a good kind of New Year's song, suit and tie. Suit and tie. Suit Justin, and tie. Let's, it's old. It's it's from from years ago, but it's a but it's a good. Uh, how did how did you get cut into uh, JT? That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. know. How old are we, Jim? Yeah, look but, at the youngster. The other, let's not turned, go there. Okay. Fifty <laughs> and the other, this year. The other thing is, I told Jim. I said, I said, we're while we're dipping into spirits for the spirits in New Mexico, they are grape based spirits. That's so right. He, uh, he, yeah. he, he just he went halfway. So because the the base is still grapes. Yeah. He couldn't get away from the grapes, and he admitted, I, I he admitted had, as much. I, I had to at least talk a little bit about grapes that went into it. <laughs> so. There we go. Let, let's let's take a little sample here. Well, that that's, it says that, it's explicit. So well, I don't yeah, wanna, wait, wait, go too wait till far. It, get, get it a little bit till it kicks in. It's not, it's not bad. In oh, the beginning. It, until it kicks in. Yeah, it's got to kick look, in. Look Come at on, this. We got to kick it in. Got to kick it in. All right, let's try to kick it in. Wow. Oh wow. That's some good. Yeah, that's some go. good. Good uh, cognac music, I thought. There we go. You know? Okay. Good for, good for we'll, enjoying we'll, some cognac. We'll go for it. Anyway, <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy and New we, Year. We hope it is, it is for all of our listeners out there. If some of you still have a pounding headache, we'll try to speak a little more softly today, just so you're not really, you know. <laughs> Wake just, up! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, hopefully by now you have woken up. It's, I hope uh, everybody was responsible and didn't 
you know, last night. Didn't uh, overindulge. Well, save from some room for the mimosas today. I can't today. say that I have never overindulged. So um, I've had to just give them a, you know, just just uh, kind of nurse that with uh, some some good cognac. There you go. Start you going again. There you go. So obviously this show is a little bit different. Uh, we're covering spirits on the spirits of New Mexico. What a shocking thing that is. Now, you know, we have done beer and spirits and, and wine in the past, but focus mostly on, on the wine. But fortunately, my good buddy Kevin has always upheld the spirits end of it with cocktails and things like that. So I knew I could count on him to come up with something fab- fabulous for when we're doing spirits. And he has. So that that's good. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to kind of share this one because... This is all stuff that's, you know, that that's in his area of expertise. And I know he's going to be sharing with some information about cognac and, and where it's going these days, which is uh, in a plus direction, which is great because I've always loved cognac uh, from a long way. I started with Cavassier a long, long time ago. Um, yeah, Cavassier is still, still still the third best-selling cognac in the, in the United States, but yeah. it has dropped off in, in some years. You know, it's not as big as it used to be, certainly. Oh, that's kind of sad, but th- there you go. But uh, Remy Martin was the one I kind of switched to from Cavassier. And that's the I, number uh, two best-selling cognac <laughs> in the United States. Right. And the number one H- is, drumrolled. Hennessy. Hennessy, of by course. Far. And yeah. by far. I mean, when I, I was, yeah, Jim was shocked when, he was, when I was showing him these numbers. It shows from 2005 all the way to, to 2020. Um, it has gone from... Just over two million cases sold annually in the U.S. to 5.1 million cases a year. Yep, just mm-hmm. unbelievable, staggering growth. Um, the appetite for cognac in the U.S. has staggering certain, growth. That's an appropriate term to use. Yeah, <laughs> the appetite, cognac's appetite in the U.S. has mm-hmm. just taken off. I mean, just absolutely taken off. So okay, po- in popularity and and different styles, and the one we're going to try. Later on, we'll get into a little more. Is uh, the fourth best-selling cognac in the U.S. Doucet. Okay. So that's kind of a and it and it's a new entrant. It's only been around since uh, 2015. Yeah. And it's already skyrocketed to number four. There so, you go. P- popularity will do yeah. that. So yeah, the um, and there's a couple of good reasons for that, but we'll get to that later. And of course, I had to to uh, also buttress this with talking about Armanacs. Uh, I've had both, but I, I guess I would lean more to Armanacs because of the the extra flavor you get from them, but these are both these are both very excellent ones. I'll I'll tell you these are neither of these are ones you should avoid. You should grab these up as soon as you can, uh, especially since it's that time of year anyway. So um, I have a little compendium of so what I wanted to cover here when we talk about spirits. Well, we can't talk about all the spirits that would take us forever. So I wanted to just focus on. French spirits, and I'm talking about ones that are, you know, pretty high alcohol as opposed to wine. And, of course, that's still a high number. I have nine to share with you, and then we're going to focus more on, on the cognac and the armanac because those are a couple of the most popular still. But anyway, well, we'll start with cognac, obviously. When uh, people speak about French brandy, that's usually the first one that they do think about, and there's an obvious reason for that. So, uh, again, but to be called cognac, just like to be called champagne, it has to come from the cognac region. Uh, That's an AOC. That's a classification. And it does specify a number of other things. It specifies that we're going to do double distillation, okay, Uh, and a continuous still. And it is going to be a copper pot still. Okay, remember, things like 
vodka are done very di differently uh, in distillation. So this is treated in a pot still, and um, the the principal grape that they're going to use is Uni Blanc, and we'll talk a little bit more about the the grapes later when we talk about the the two that we're enjoying here. Uh, but the grapes that you might be less familiar with, but we're going to make them more familiar with you as well as how they work so wonderfully into making uh, brandies of all different types here, among other possible high alcohol possibilities. So the the uh, cost you're going to pay for this is going to be based on how long it's aged. So it's going to go through the double distillation. It has to be aged in French oak. The minimum aging is two years. That's for what's what are called the VS or very special. And uh, that's the one I have is is that uh, the uh, this is an Armanac. Again, they're very similar, but of course we'll describe the difference between them as well. Very uh, superior old pale or VSOP is aged over four years, and that is the the to say we have is a VSOP. And that is the lowest that mark that they do make. They they do not make a VS. Right. So. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They obviously are are starting right for the quality market mm -hmm. right off the bat. Yep. And uh, then the XO is the extra old, and that's aged over six years. And of course, along with the aging, goes into the price. I think the, uh, the the so the one I have right now is the Chateau Labad, L U B L U. L A U B A D E, um, and this one is 42 percent, 84 proof. Uh, so this is not one you take lightly, and uh, but it's quite wonderful. Uh, this is the signature that is their their VS one, and the Doucet is a VSOP, and that's aged about 4.5 years. In fact, is is what they basically say on it. And uh, if you want to go to the ultimate, you could always get the Louis Trey. Uh, that's the Louis Thirteen cognac that goes for four thousand dollars a seven fifty bottle. And I don't think that comes in since in the seven fifty in the in, in the uh, no. whatever this place. They don't come no. in the small size. No, 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 there's no small size here. No. You're going to pay through the nose if that's what you really want. Have you ever sampled the Louis the Thirteenth? I have. So uh, have I. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. I never bought it. No. Um, uh, and but it's it's it is quite amazing. But I frankly can't see paying that much extra for it. But that's just me. So I, some other people may think if you got a lot of money to spend, maybe why not? I had mine at the top of the uh, stratosphere at the the top of the world restaurant, the rotating restaurant oh, yeah. at the top of the stratosphere in Vegas. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember this is because I remember going to the restroom. After I uh, at some point during the evening, and um, I had in, indulged so much in the rest, you know, the restaurant's turning, and it's not turning that fast. Mm -hmm. But when I the, the the restaurant, the the kitchen and and the restrooms and everything are in the center, and the the outer edge of the restaurant oh, revolves. Oh, right, right. So when you come out of the restroom, the restaurant has changed, and you you're not at the same place you were when you entered. Or the restaurant has moved, right? Right. So I couldn't figure out where where our table was. I couldn't find my way back. Now I could. I don't know if that was as a result of the restaurant moving, or a combination of that and the alcohol that I had partaken in. It could. It, it probably was probably both. both. Yeah, it was I, probably both. I would say it definitely would be both. Yeah, my head is spinning, and so is the restaurant. Oh, I'm in trouble now. And that that okay. was back in the mid to late '90s, and that back then it was about a hundred, hundred to a hundred and ten dollars an ounce 
um, that they were charging. Yeah. I, I think it's well north of, uh, you know, probably north of 200 by now yeah. for, for an ounce pour. Yeah, which easily. Is, which is still, you know, yeah. like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to nurse this one for the next four hours, okay? Mm-hmm. So good luck on that. Yeah, I remember this, the same one we had at the, the top of the mart. Was it the top of the mart or the top of the, of the, um, with that that revolved, or maybe it was just me revolving. Never mind. Uh, moving <laughs> on. So Armanac. Uh, so this is the the older uh, distilla- uh, distillation, and uh, it is uh, done a single distillation. As a result, there's there's more character and flavor in it. Well, everyone will argue about character, but definitely a lot more flavor. Um, and it's a much smaller producing uh, region than cognac. Uh, but they still make really quality stuff, as, as we'll see. Armagnac is still in a continuous Armagnac, uh, and I had to work on the pronunciation of that. That's that's A R M A G N A C A I S, Armagnac the still, and then cognac is double distilled, of course, following the Charentia distillation process. C H A R E N T A I S. Again, they always end the same way. Anyway, those are the two classic ways they do it. So, again, these are very much protected, and this is the way you have to make this. If you're going to be here, these are the kind of grapes you have to, to put in it. Here's how, you, and it can only be with French oak, okay? So, which is fine because there's lots of it there. And uh, third one is Grand Marnier, and this one was created in 1880 by Alexander Marnier, a big problem there, La, La Pistole. Uh, and he's, this Grand Marnier is a bitter orange liqueur made with a cognac base, okay? And uh, the uh, the b- biggest production of it, apparently, is is the Cadillac Margarita. That is true. We, we, we sell Grand Marnier, and that is uh, quite the popular use for it. So it re- if you think Margarita, your base uh, of tequila and some kind of orange liqueur, and most common is triple sec, right? right? And then, but then you can step up to things like Cointreau, mm. and then at the very top, and, and even Patron Citrange is a tequila-based orange liqueur that goes in there. And then you step up. Then once you get to the top of the pyramid, really, it's Grand Marnier. That's that is the Cadillac of margaritas. Right, right. Uh, but that's that would be an appropriate name for it. Yes, and. Uh, Cocktails, of course, are the Cadillac Margarita and the B-52. Oh, yes. So you're familiar with this one, right? Yes. Uh, I, I, I know he would be familiar. I, I wasn't, so I had to okay, what is a B-52? And mm-hmm. uh, any, anyway, what it is is they do three layers. It's, it's nice if you can do it in a, a taller glass, I think, to really show it off, right? And uh, the, uh, the, the thing is you're going to put Kahlua, Irish Cream, and Grand Marnier in it and it starts with and, and the only way to do this you're supposed to pour it over the back of a spoon right because you want these three different distinct layers to settle and I guess their density is just different enough that if you're careful about it you'll have three distinct layers beginning with the Kahlua that's what you pour in the glass first and then you pour gently pour in the Irish cream over the back of the spoon and, and, and again, until you've topped that one out, and then the final one is the Grand Marnier that goes on top of that. I have never had a B-52. Have you? I don't remember. <laughs> so That could mean two things, it, but okay. <laughs> correct. I will, I will leave it 
<laughs> I don't. I just leave it as I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the uh, the most popular origin story for the drink, and of course every. Well, that, I love it with cocktails. They always have different origins, competing stories. Yeah. And according to this one, it was invented in 1977. Uh, Peter Fish at the Banff Springs Hotel in Alberta, Canada. He named it after the band B-52s, there which is a really good band. So Yeah, uh, people think it's named after the bomber for some reason because you're bombing a shot or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. I like that. I like that story. I, I, I think as a band, I would, I would prefer to the yeah. bomber. Just the connotations are different. Anyway, um, and so the uh, next one is one yeah, that I briefly uh, mentioned that, that you already mentioned. That's the control. It's also a bitter orange liqueur that they seem to love the bitter orange going into making uh, drinks in France. And it's uh, different because it uses a neutral spirit base instead of a cognac base, which I guess keeps the price a little bit lower. It or, is a little less expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's probably somewhere in the it could be as much as ten dollars a bottle less. Yeah. So yeah, you're not you're not. Uh, I mean, believe me, Gramenier is not inexpensive. You're talking of no. forty forty plus dollar bottle. Yeah. Of, of you know, some people just sip on Gramenier. They don't. Oh, oh, yeah. They don't even I, put it in a cocktail. So no, I I, common, I I could see doing that. Yeah. Absolutely, it's kind of like B and B. It's the same kind of thing. Oh, so, we're going to yeah. get to that. That's oh a, yeah. That's a whole different section. But okay. you're right. Cointreau is 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 a popular use for again primarily in the margarita. Uh, but you do see it in other drinks, yeah. like like you said, like a sidecar. Sidecar, Cosmopolitan, yeah. Pegu Club. That's what I'm not familiar. with. I am not familiar with that cocktail. Okay, well, there was a there was actually a a, a nightclub in in or a cocktail lounge in New York mm-hmm. that opened when I was working there called Pegu Club, and I wonder if maybe there's a signature drink that they had that was that was using Cointreau. Um, I, I can believe it. Yeah, okay. it was back during the uh, mid 2000s when the cocktail scene really. Really was taking off in Manhattan, and coming back to life with, uh, you know, places like Milk and Honey and um, Employees Only. You know, have you ever heard of these places? Uh, these, no. These are these are like sort of these old school craft cocktail bars that pop started popping up in the early and mid two thousands with the revival of the cocktail mixology scene, mixologist uh, bars. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these places, you, they were so secretive you couldn't you had to like know somebody to get a a phone a phone number to get on a list <laughs> and then the door the doors were hidden so like they were they were set up to be like speakeasies Mm-mm. and that's what they were going for my favorite one i got to tell this jim my favorite one was there was this taco it was a taco stand and then uh it, it was a walk up taco bar and then it had a little taco restaurant in it and then you would go into the kitchen you go through this hallway towards the kitchen and there was a phone booth and you pick up the phone, and if you had a reservation, they would, they would let you in through. You go through the back of the kitchen to another door, and down a set of stairs, and into the basement where the actual cool cocktail bar was. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, it was it was that kind of layer of secrecy that they were trying to create. This re, they were trying to recreate what was probably a really simple speakeasy concept back in the day, right? When the speakeasies were speakeasies, they were really secretive, and they you really had to know somebody to get in. They were almost trying to recreate that. Yeah. Why do you think well, they call them a speakeasy if you're speaking softly there? I, I don't know. Okay, just just thought I'd throw that up. Just yeah. that. Okay. The next one is chartreuse. Um, and uh, categorized as an herbal liqueur. Um, it, it's made by Carthusian monks. 
We must have had a lot of fun making these things. Well, consuming <laughs> them later on. Hey, what else are you going to do when you're a monk? And uh, that was 1605. So that's a long time ago. Uh, 130 different herbs, spices, roots, uh, and barks go into this. Um, even if it wasn't a secret recipe, who could remember all that? I mean, you know, like, I, anyway, two varieties. The green chartreuse is 55%. That's 110 proof, friends, Ooh. just so you know. That's really up there. And then the other one, the yellow chartreuse, is 40% or 80 proof, which is putting it closer, more to what we expect. But um, the cocktails for this are the last word. Never had that one. Uh, or the chartreuse swizzle cocktail. And those are both done with the green variety. I've so, never had either of them. Ah, I was depending on you uh, to be able I've to, never had to cipher of any of these. Don't worry. I have, yeah. I, have, I, have, I have some good information on some of these other ones. <laughs> okay, good. Coming, so. All right. That's all right. Benedictine. Okay. And uh, also a liberal, uh, herbal liqueur. Uh, but it has no monastic connections, as, as far as we know, uh, ex except the brand's creator, Alexandre Lebrun, may have just elaborated when he said Benedictine. and Because and, that's what I thought it was, the Benedictine monks were doing this one. Wrong. Not. Okay. But this does hold, this, this does hold a piece of history. This is the oldest known production spirit. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because I recall... Um, Boy, when I was working in New York somewhere around 2005 or 2006, it was celebrating its 550th anniversary. So we got to be pushing 565, 570 years old, this spirit. This is the oldest continuous production spirit known. Okay, that's yeah, good goes, information to have. It goes back to the 1500s. Yeah, because the 1605 was Chartreuse, and uh -huh. that was same. That was, I thought that was the oldest one. Nope, but. this is Benedictine is the oldest. Yeah, pretty crazy. So, so he he came up with that name. Uh, I'd be curious to find out why, but we we don't know exactly. Uh, but Lagrand uh, is long past, so there's no way we can learn from him unless he wrote it down somewhere. And he just thought, I thought this would be a really fun thing, but whatever it was. And of course, it's known not just not just as Benedictine, but also Benedictine and brandy, or B and B. And uh, do they still make the, the two ones? Uh, they make uh, them separately still. Yeah. They still sell both Benedict. Because there's, there's traditionalists, and then there's people say that, uh, I mean, okay, B&B &B was invented in, I think, around 1925-ish in that range um, at the 21 Club in New York City. That's where, that's where it was first started. Uh -huh. And bartenders were mixing brandy and benedictine mm -hmm. together mm -hmm. and then that's when uh, somebody decided to start bottling it as such right um but the, and then and then when this whole cocktail revolution came around mm -hmm. there were two schools there were those who said b&b &B is fine just the way it is you don't need to do anything to it and the purists these pure mixologists mm -hmm. were like no 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 i want to i want to sell Bene i want benedictine and i'm going to mix my B and B the way I want, mm -hmm. with the with the choice of cognac I want, with the proportions I want, and so the, it became kind of a split school. And what ended up happening was Benedictine actually started selling just as much as B and B. It was always like mm -hmm. a you know, I don't know, eight to one ratio, where B and B was just sold so much more than Benedictine. Oh, okay. And now they've kind of come together where. Benedictine by itself sells just just as almost as much as B and B. Oh, that's interesting. It's, yeah, it's yeah. it's really it's really kind of come up 
ha- come up and had its had its moment in the sun, and but it's still there. What I wonder is, do they still make where they have the two bottles? Oh no, 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 no! I no, they don't do that anymore. I, oh. I I did buy one of those once, and it was a real trippy thing because yeah, you can decide. Yeah, you you can make your own combinations of the two, um, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So, they were really cool. But that's yeah, I mean, just the what. What it must have cost for the bottle? Yeah, the two bottles to let to get it was like. There's a few wow. spirits that were like that. There was a Sheridan's liqueur that was a black and white. There's a, a Bailey's. Oh, right, Bailey's right, had done right. one back yeah. in the day. So yeah, they're they're kind of these cool split bottles where there's two liqueurs on either side. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, but the cocktails that these go in, I've had Singapore Sling, fantastic right. cocktail made with right. slow gin. That's that's a that's an all time favorite. Can't go wrong with that. Um, Singapore slang. I guess last time I had that was in my Navy days. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I don't remember those anymore. Anyway, <laughs> and of course Benedictine and brandy. So Calvados, which is but basically a apple-based um, liqueur, and this comes from Normandy, and I've sampled it in in Normandy a few times. We actually did a, uh, my wife and I did a Calvados tasting once, um, and. Uh, problem with the Calvados tasting is by the time you finish the tasting, you have no idea what you just had. Uh, we ended up getting the Ordage, the, the, the most expensive one, and we probably would have been a lot happier with the cheapest one. Uh, but anyway, that's the way it goes sometimes. But I, I do remember that very well, and uh, we kind of stayed away from Calvados after that because <laughs> it was like, we paid a lot of money for this? Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, it um, always been associated with apples and apple cider. Uh, and, of course, with the Phloxer bug it, in the 1800s, it got a big shot because then a lot of the grapes were not available anymore. And so you still had lots of apples because at least the louse hasn't tried to screw on apples and thank heavens for that. So uh, the other thing is, and this was the other thing that they mentioned, was you can also uh, known as Appetite Awakener Trau Normand. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Oh, Okay. This one I can get on you. La Trois Normand, or the Norman Hole, which is less attractive anyway. Usually presented in a small glass, such as a champagne glass, consists of a strong alcohol and a small scoop of sorbet. In France, it's often known as the hidden course in a large meal. The idea is to cleanse the palate and stimulate the palate, the appetite. And uh, I, I saw, it's really involved to make, by the way. <laughs> this seems really simple. It's not. It's, it's really involved to make it, but it sounds like something that I would love to have sometimes if someone else is making it. That's just me. And, of course, then another classic one, absinthe. Oh. You know, the green fairy, as we call <laughs> it. Now, obviously, this is one of the, one spirit that a lot of people are always aware of. It's really a Swiss creation. But, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it began as a simple maceration of anise, fennel. Those are both very licorice-like. Wormwood and other herbs and alcohol, um, but it took on almost a mythological status. That's hence the Green Fairy. Uh, and include a artistic movement that was that built up around it, international backlash, because people are having too much fun with this stuff. Uh, we can't have that. We can't have people having too much fun. Well, you know what the, you know what the issue was, right, with the, with the wormwood? With the wormwood, yeah. Yeah, they thought it was hallucinogenic, right? Yeah. So you had, you had a problem with people... Uh, getting a little, little too sideways and a little crazy with the with the wormworm. So there were there was a time when there were a bunch of absinths that were being sold here, and I think there's still some that are sold in the U.S. that uh, 
they were absinthe, but they just did not contain wormwood. So they were allowed to continue selling absinthe here as long as it didn't have that ingredient in right. it. And then I think it changed again, right? Somewhere yeah, it, it did. Well, they, they, they said 2007. 2007, yeah. yeah. And so they allow, they're like, okay, well, this is a bunch of nonsense. And so they, they're allowing woodworm to go back. I haven't heard anybody going crazy on absinthe lately. Have you? I've No. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a kind of liqueur that... I've had my one. Okay, I'm yeah. done. You know, there's it's, there's it's, there's a whole ritual that goes with it. Oh yeah, right. You have this this tower with, device, with and and it has these little gnaw, um, spouts on it, and you pour the absinthe in, and then you're supposed to drip it over a sugar cube. Right. Right. If right. I'm getting this right, Jim, correct correct me if I'm saying well, anything well, wrong. No, but. when you said it in there, you you have it. Uh, it's it's a it's not just a, it's a spoon, but I, I think it's it's um it's a sli- it's got some holes. It's a slotted right, right, holes a, in the a, bottom. A slotted spoon, right? Yeah. And then you put the sugar cube in, and then you pour it slowly over. Right. It. You drip it over it, and that's what these devices were. They, it was a tower that had four spigots on it, and you put four different glasses around it, and you open up the spigot, and it dripped. Over uh, the over the sugar and over the spoon on each side, so you could cre- make four drinks at the same time. And what it does is it turns this clear liquid into this cloudy substance. And I'm not sure what the sh- I'm, I'm not even sure what the sugar does to it or what it's supposed to do. Or does it chemically change the alcohol? Does it? Make it, it more it, tolerable. It, make, it makes it more palatable. <laughs> more I think palatable. is what it does. I don't know. That, that would be I don't my know guess. The pur- I know more palatable. These, I don't know. I, I have to do more research. I don't know what the purpose of it is. Yeah. So the Pernod absinthe is supposed to be the oldest producer of that particular yep. one, and the cocktails are the absinthe frappe, big deal, and it's Sazerac. So how do you do a Sazerac? Do you remember that one at all? No, I don't recall. Absinthe is in a Sazerac cocktail. I have to look that one up. I'm not. I'm. Not familiar with that. He'll, he'll get back to us on that right. one. Okay, and then the last one, and this wasn't wasn't in uh, you know part of this was from um, where was it? Oh yeah, from uh, Jeffrey uh, Markenthaler, the Food Republic's contributing cocktail editor. Uh, so I wanted to mention that that this was a good overview that he provided that I just elaborated on, but the one he'd left out was number nine which I could not leave out for some obvious reasons because this is something that Kevin has brought in before. Oh. And we've had a wonderful cocktail with it, Saint-Germain. Okay. If you're from the United States, we just call it Saint-Germain. We, okay. we don't mess around with those fancy pronunciations Oh, here. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, this one was started by Rob Cooper of Cooper Spirits. Uh, rest, may he rest in peace. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. But what a fantastic liqueur this is. Yeah, um, it, it really is. Uh, elderflowers, you know, uh, I think they still do it because it's not, you know, the, but hand-picked from the countryside. A, a the thousand hillside. hand-picked elderflowers. Yeah. That's going to make it a little bit more expensive. Yeah. I almost picked up one when I was when I was over at Total Wine, too. I said, well, maybe I should get, because I, I really enjoyed that and and uh, use it in different cocktails after you, you uh, provide us one of those. And it's it's a really fun one. I it's a great modifier. It. You know, they, it had it, it took on a, a, a strange nickname about ten years ago, which mm-hmm. um, it has probably since shed. It shed the nickname, but it got so pop. It rose mm-hmm. to fame and got so popular with bartenders that they actually called it uh, for a short time bartenders ketchup. <laughs> and that was sort of its street name, and and nobody liked it. Nobody liked that name. Certainly nobody who no, was selling I'm, it. No, I was working no, for the no. company that was selling it. We didn't like that nickname, but um, it, I think that that name has fallen away. It, it thank goodness that nickname did not stick. 
Oh, okay. But uh, since you've made this before, can you yeah. describe how it's made, please? Well, it, it is it is a base of brandy. It is a okay. is a is a cognac base. Oh, oh, well, okay. I, I would say it's a French brandy base. It's not a con, it's not con, not necessarily cognac. Right. But it is a it is a um, unaged brandy, and okay. then they infuse it with the with the elderflowers. So it, it's gonna it's a little bit lower proof, and then there's cane sugar. It's three ingredients. That's it. Okay. Pretty easy. It, it, pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, easy. I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of processes involved that they don't tell us about, but those it's a three ingredient spirit. Which um, has a sort of an, uh, a, a yellowish hue to it, almost like mm. a Chardonnay color yeah. to it. Yeah. But you know, they, it is natural. There's no preservatives, mm. and I know this because I've kept a bottle long enough that I've seen it turn color. Uh huh. It turns like a brown. It goes to this sort of a brownish, mm. um, you know, almost almost the color of the Armagnac that, that's sitting here. So it goes to that kind of orangey brown color. Right. There's nothing wrong with the liquid. The liquid will hold up, but it does give an off color. Like it does. It's not what you would expect. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I don't recommend keeping it long enough to watch it turn. Okay. <laughs> that's for sure. All right. And that's well, about. And that was about 18 months. And that's because I found some in my garage. So it wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't conducting a science experiment. <laughs> it just. I. Can't, I was cleaning some boxes. And I'm like, oh, here's a bottle of Saint Germain. Oh, it's brown. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Well, that that makes sense because it's starting with the flowers and yeah. And yeah so There's it, no. It, they don't put any preservatives in it. Yeah. So that they, at least you're getting an all natural product. But what a great modifier, cocktail modifier. You can yeah. you can replace triple sec, triple sec or even Gramenier or Cointreau in a margarita and do it with with a margarita, with uh, with Saint Germain on top. Wouldn't that be kind of subtle though compared to those? Or oh no, the elderflower comes through. Really? So you okay. think about the balance of the tequila and the elderflower, and then you get the hit of the sour, of the of the lime. Okay. Lime juice. I mean, just okay. a great, great cocktail modifier. I mean, I've seen it used in everything from scotch to brandy to gin, and I mean, it certainly goes with gin and vodka and rum cocktails. But I mean, and, and hence why I picked up that nickname, right? It really can be used with oh, okay. just about any base spirit right. out there. Well, yeah, it's, it's so it's, versatile. It's, it's, it's subtle by itself, yeah, but it can enhance anything. So, uh, my, my favorite though is the Saint Germain cocktail. Very simply, Saint Germain. Uh, a, some form of a sparkling wine, a prosecco or a brut or a mm -hmm. uh, a champagne, and topped with a little bit of club soda and a fresh squeeze of lemon, and it is a fantastic cocktail. I know you've made that for us oh, on one show. See, I don't remember. It's, it's been so long. <laughs> when you start doing years of shows, Jim, you forget uh, okay. everything. But that's that's. I mean, that's the all time. Uh, reminding our listeners who have may not have heard it. You know, that's a, that's an easy to drink, light so, uh, New Year's Day. Yeah, day after a cocktail. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, We were conversing with a checkout counter, and, and and they said, "Isn't a Bloody Mary supposed to be a good thing for the day after?" I said, uh, "Well, it'd be a little know. heavy. It it depends on, on on how you make it and what you had the night before. Yeah, that's whether that goes. So uh, anyway, so we had two wonderful liqueurs here, spirits from France, and so the first one is uh, so again, this is the Chateau. Labad, L-U-L-A-U-B-A-D-E. Laubade is La what you might think, but yeah. it's not. It's Labad, Labad. Is it? I don't know. You pronounce. I don't know with the French. There's a lot of silent vowels in there. Labad. Labad is, is, okay. is, is the way. A All couple right. of people. Now they may have been mispronouncing it. When, when you do how to pronounce, you don't know who some of these people are who are doing the pronunciation keys. That they is may true. not have a clue either. Uh, in fact, I usually. This, if you want to find how to pronounce something, and you go. 
out there and you say, here's how you pronounce it. Uh, don't go with just the first one you hear. Try three or four. You'll find that some people have not a clue how to pronounce anything, and they still will do it on the Internet. I don't know why, but they, they do. Anyway, so, and uh, so this this particular um, Armour Neck House is, does really a lot of impressive stuff. Uh, if you go to Total, uh, you'll you'll find this one, the, the, the VS that, that I picked up, uh, that's 28. Uh, they also have the VSOP and the XO. You're going up to 70 and up to $100 uh, when you go into those. It's not just the aging. It's it's the fact that they're laying less out, I think, at at a at the higher age is what I would guess. Um, but that's just my guess on it. Uh, 260 acres, single vineyard, a very continuous, long vineyard that they have. They have four traditional grape varietals they use. See, this is where the grapes come in. Uh, Uni Blanc, uh, U-G-N-I, uh, and... Foyer Blanche, uh, Colombard, most people are familiar with that one, and Baco. So, Uni Blanc is also known as Trebbiano in Italy. It is the most widely planted white grape in both France and Italy, okay? Uh, and almost always done in brandies. Uh, one of the reasons is it's very high in acidity, uh, which is what works really well for these things. Uh, kind of very fresh uh, fruit flavors. Um, and... Uh, but it works perfectly to make brandies. And so that's the principle one that they're going to use. Valle Blanc, on the other hand, is an, is an offspring of Goye Blanc, which is the offspring of almost every white wine out there, actually. <laughs> it's the basis for almost all of them. They, they haven't been able to determine what the other ingredient is to come out to really nail it. Uh, it was hit very hard by the Phylloxera, though. Um, and, and so it be there's it, less of it planted, and they actually... Uh, ripped a number out, so there's less plantings of that now uh, than, than others. Columbard is uh, run on a lot of the French West Coast, uh, but used, again, pr primarily in brandy. And uh, it's also in, in the U.S. French Columbard was a big jug wine for many years, right? Yeah, I remember. I, I can't think of a brand. I mean, can't remember the last time I had oh, it. Oh, it's probably Gallo would have done it and, and a couple of the others. A anyway, so it, it was well known there, but it's 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 uh, working. The other one is Baco. Baco? Uh, Baco is it's also it's Baco Blanc or Banco Noir. It's a hybrid grape, actually, from a North American uh, blending with uh, Foyer Blanc. And this was done by Francois Baco. And, of course, he applied his name to to this. And, and in fact, as a Baco Noir, it's a very popular one in New Mexico. Hmm. Uh, a number of red wines are made with that hybrid grape. Again, we do have a lot of cold climate areas here, uh, the nor more northern parts of New Mexico, higher elevations, where that's actually a very effective grape to use. And they do some pretty good stuff with it. So it also works there. So those are the four possible grapes that they're going to be using in this. And uh, in, in this particular case... It's a sustainable agriculture, uh, organic manure produced by 600 ooze. Ooze. No, I don't mean ooze. It's ooze sheep, right? Okay. And uh, 600 of them. They, I guess they count their they sheep. They count their sheep. They, they absolutely before do. Before they go to sleep. Uh, absolutely. There's, there's only five ninety nine. Uh Come on, get another one out of here. Okay. Uh, anyway, all of their grapes, uh, continuous still. Uh, their own homemade special single continuous uh, grill. Each grape variety is done separately, and then they're blended together. 
So again, there's a, a lot of processing that goes into this. Each one is going to be is is going to be done separately and then distilled separately. And uh, the uh, th this particular one is you know what 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 they when when you have the uh, the the distillate to begin with before it's going to go into the French oak, it's known as 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 Udavai, and it's uh, the waters of life. And uh, then it's um, Udavi, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I would say Udavi. I've always pronounced it Odavi. Yeah, Odavi, and and yeah. the waters of life. And uh, so the uh, part of the blend was aged in second fill barrels, previously used to age dry white wine, which is kind of from the the Lagorg is is the family L E S G O U R G U E S. Yeah, all the last letters are thrown out. Yeah, Lagorg. Anyway, it's uh, this was their property in in Grave, which is one of the first areas where you made red wine in Bordeaux area. It's a little bit further down from the typical left bank areas. And I'm guessing it's probably, it's going to have to be Sauvignon Blanc and Sassemillon. Those are the two grapes they would have, that they, they would have made that from. And uh, so this uh, contributes uh, to the superb smooth and velvety texture of the signature. And it is a very smooth Armanac. What do you think? Yeah, I thought I'm, it's been a while since I've had one, but um, I mean, now tasting them side by side, you can definitely tell the difference in the, oh, yeah. in the, in the, in the palate. Oh, I yeah, mean, absolutely. They're, 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 and I'm not saying one's better, one's worse. They're just very, very different yeah. In, yeah. in the taste profile. But well, a good choice. Yeah. Very, very well done. That's That was the, the idea, was to give us some contrast yeah. on, on things like that. So uh, tasting notes this one, golden col uh, color, brown glints with great brightness, intense and rich nose of fresh fruits, peach, apricot, plum, uh, spicy notes of vanilla and licorice, and hints of ivy and linden. Oh boy, uh, subtle attack followed by a powerful evolution in the mouth. Evolution in the mouth. I like that one, and a wooden. I would say woody and toasty finish, uh, for the the, the fact that it's been in there for a while. Uh, so this was uh, the the chateau was built in 1870. Uh, I, I mentioned 260 acres. Uh, it's uh, located in Sor Sorbet d'Armagnac, uh, the heart of the noblest area of the appellation of Bas Armagnac. It's um, they um, interesting besides that you know every year they have these this herd of, of 600 uh, sheep that go out there they scatter around the the vineyard produces the organic fertilizer uh, not only beneficial to the soil but a tradition that winemakers have been doing for thousands of years so this is an old tradition they're using you also benefit because you get a lot of wool from the, the sheep mm. so they're actually kind of cleaning it's it's, they're, they're kind of a clean machine, right? They just clean everything up for you, and then you still have wool afterwards. I mean, what a deal. Anyway, uh, and then the barrels. So, so besides this area, they also have all the surrounding forest. And guess what? They, they cut it down, they cut the wood, and they make their own barrels. Huh. Very unusual. Yeah, that uh, is unusual. But very unusual thing. The on, there you go. The only, the only um, Armanac distiller that does use their own wood uh, right right there, which is kind of cool. That's crazy that they have their own cooperage. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's, a, and, and that's that's a skill all to itself. Yeah. <laughs> you have, have to really— Have you ever been to a cooperage? Uh, I haven't been to one. I've seen uh, videos of it. But I, not... went to, I went to one in Kentucky, the Kelvin Cooperage, just outside oh, yeah? Louisville. I mean, first of all, hard work. 
give it up for those people that work in the cooperage. Oh yeah, my goodness. Oh yeah, the work conditions, the temperatures in there. I mean, you're you're talking consistently, uh, you know, above 120 degrees working oh, working conditions because you got all the you know all the fires burning. That it's a hot house. It is a hot house, and they are, and it is not easy work, moving those things around and building them and and firing them and. You know, charring the end. I mean, it's 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 a quite a fascinating. If you ever get a chance to go to a cooperage, I highly recommend it. Okay, fascinating experience. I'm just saying, not just to you, to everybody out there. Yeah, take the opportunity to tour that. That's a part of the the wine and spirits making business that that sort of sometimes gets overlooked in terms and, of and, and it should not be because yeah. it's you know the, the quality of the wood makes a big difference. It really contributes to all the character and flavors you end Absol- up with. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, it's as much a part of the as the grapes are, or as the the environment, or the the, the blending technique, the barrels are are a big part of it. Absolutely. So yeah, I've mentioned that for yeah. mentioned that many times. So it, it, they're also the on the Armanac House awarded world class distillery, 2010 2019. Wow, which is interesting. That's pretty impressive. So yeah, yeah. It, this is a pretty impressive one, and um, <laughs> I got their least expensive one, but it's still awesome. So I can just imagine what the BSOP and the XO are going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll, someone will give me a taste of one soon. And, of course, then the next one is, is the wonderful one that wow. Kevin brought. That's the Doucet VSOP Cognac. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I might actually jump by over the Walmart if they, if they haven't already sold Well, out. I got to tell you, we've been having a hard time keeping it in stock. Yeah. So we're, we're, we are out of stock of it right now. So if you can find okay. it out there, okay, go, you know, get it if you can find it. Um, we're going to get more. There's more coming. But, you know, like everything else, we've had our troubles with uh, with shipping and getting it in, into oh, house. Everyone's had and, trouble and with that. It, it's yeah. grown so much that we're, there's a shortage of it, not just because of the shipping, but because of the popularity of, right. of it. So yeah. we've we've oversold in other markets. You know, it tends to happen here. Like, you know, I think New Mexico sometimes gets the short end of the stick when it comes to if there's product available, where do they send it? And sometimes New Mexico gets left out. Yeah. They might send it to California or Florida or Texas or New York. I'm not saying that happened in this case, but I've seen it happen before with other products. Yeah. But hey, we're here. Come yeah. on, give us a break. You want me to do a little talk about this one a little Absolutely. bit? Please. Okay. So this this is this is this one's a little near and dear to my heart because this is this is owned by the Bacardi family in partnership with Jay Z, mm-hmm. Sean Carter, as we we might know him, um, and and it's an interesting um, partnership. Uh, this. Bacardi owns the Cognac House, where it's made. Chateau du Cognac is the name of the Cognac House. Mm-hmm. And some other famous products made there are Baron Otard Cognac, which you might say, well, I've never heard of Baron Otard. We tr- it, it's not really sold in the United States. It is a product that's sold in Europe, that the Otard Cognac. But Otard Cognac is what is used as the base product for B&B. So there you have a long history and lineage of great cognac back to the 1920s, being used, I mean, this chateau is over 200 years old, but being used in the B&B product since the 1920s, for sure. Yeah. Um, and this is aged, as Jim said, four and a half years. And, you know, uh, the the maitre de chez for this, uh, the, ma- the cellar master, is uh, Michelle Casavecchia, very well-known um, master distiller. And this product is... Um, Kind of an interesting taste profile. It, it, it is, it's bold yet smooth. And when you think on the scale of cognacs, there's really two kinds of people that like cognac. There's those who like the bold, and there's those who like the smooth. They're really, and, and this kind of combines the both. So if you think about bold cognac, you think of Hennessy, 
that is a very bold cognac. Yeah. Very, very powerful, forward, in your face. And people like that. And then when you think of the smooth cognac, you probably lean more towards Remy, Remy Martin. Yeah, that's one I usually run. And, yeah. and it's just a different style. Right. And this kind of splits, splits the goalpost. This is kind of up the middle. It is, mm-hmm. it is bold, but it is still smooth. And that's what they were going for. And this only came out in 2015. So it's it has rocketed mm-hmm. to number four in the cognac world, um, selling north. Of, it's creeping on. Uh, it's it, it, Last year was over 500,000 cases in the U.S. That's and per we'll, amount. And it will, it will top a million cases this year. It will be a one million case brand in the U.S. this year. Wow. Which is hard to believe that a brand that was started just six years ago will be selling a million cases annually. Mm-hmm. But you were also saying that uh, the popularity of cognac has really jumped up in the last yes, couple of years. Yes, yes. I mean, it's gone. I mean, it's gone through the roof. I mean, if you look at, I was looking at some of these some of these stats um, from, you know, two thousand and five. So the last fifteen years, uh, a brand like Hennessy has gone from two million to over five million. Right? We mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, Remy from six hundred and sixty thousand annually to one point five million, three times. Almost mm-hmm. three times the size. So, I mean, the the, the compounded growth of the top six uh, just last year was twenty five percent on a, on a very very large base, right? On you're talking on on almost seven million cases wow. of cognac annually, whereas you know back in two thousand five it was just under three million. Mm. So, I mean, you're talking about massive amounts of popularity in this sector, and that's what that's what people want. They want something that um, you know is going to be interesting, new, uh, unique, and this cognac delivers that. So I thought, you know, what a better way to to bring in the new year than with with something like Doucet, give us a give us a little taste, um, you know, and and really to to the, I, I guess to the credit of someone like Jay Z, um, they don't really like everybody knows out there. That this is his cognac, mm-hmm. but he really doesn't put his face on it. Um, it. You don't see him. You don't see him used in advertising, right? You don't see him. Um, there's no commercials on TV with with him in it, right? He's he is the face of the brand, but he's doing it from behind the scenes, right. which I think is an interesting approach to it. You know, they have to be very careful where you use the trademark and how you use the, the brand and how you use the trademark. So I thought it was a, a – what did you think of the Doucet? I really liked it. I, I like both of them a lot. Um, and the um, – I between the two, I don't think I could easy, make an easy choice between them. I like them for slightly different things. Um, in fact, I was just trying the the uh, Chateau Labad again, uh, Labid, and uh, I like them both. The, the uh, Armanex I always like because of the extra flavor and that you get from it. Uh, what's nice about the double distilled is you, is uh, less fees oil and possibly less of a hangover. But and you know what, it's okay. We're, we're not afraid to take these cognacs or armagnacs and mix them. You know, having them in a cocktail is quite acceptable. There's no, there's nothing that's really off limits. Um, you know, you combining it, both of them in the same cocktail. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm just okay. saying using them as a, as, as in a, in oh, a, yeah. even a simple cocktail like you have here with ginger ale, well, fantastic, exactly. fever tree ginger yeah. ale. Right. That, that's and this is really good, by the way. Um, if you want to try a little bit, I'll open the pop in their bottle. The fever tree is is a really good one. This is one that 
that uh, I'm passionate with, and so is Kevin. Uh, this is a premium ginger ale. It's all this, all you want in ginger is well, there. If you're going to have a premium spirit, you need a premium mixer. Absolutely. There you the, go. The mixer yeah. should be just as quality as the, as the spirit mm-hmm. that you mix it with. And, as, yeah. uh, and the quality of your friends, too, oh. and your yep. relationships. Absolutely. You can't just do it with just uh, any old person anymore. You know, The years are, are, are winnowing, and when they are, uh, the time spent uh, should be worth that much more and who you spend it with. So let's not forget that as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Spirits of New Mexico right here in the Kiva. Jim, thank you. Happy 22 to you, as well as my good friend, Kevin Petresnik. Thank, thank you. you so much oh, for yeah. being here as well. We're gonna, we, we started a little ABBA. We're going to go out a little ABBA, right? 2020 is 2022 is 2022. 2020, comma, T-O-O. Yeah, there you go. We're getting it all over again. So uh, we're going to have to make it even better. So we'll see you bright and early uh, next week. Same time, same place. Uh, I will be here, of course, Monday at 4 p.m. I can see that you're all so sad, so quiet. Chiquitita, tell me the truth. I'm a shoulder you can cry on Your best friend I'm the one you must rely on You were always sure of yourself Now I see you broken and desert Chiquitita, you and I